It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? L.J., doing good. Uh, got to wake up to see about six inches of snow here in Syracuse today. Um, it, it's almost all gone now um as it is getting into the 40s uh right now but certainly not what you're expecting on april 19th but uh yeah overall doing good um you know we have kind of a slower news day um a few things certainly to talk about we want to touch on a few players a few interesting stories um we're also going to hit some injuries at the end of the show as that is just an ongoing thing we've got some guys who have been hitting the covid list on teams other players not specifically on the il but getting removed from games um and certainly still a lot to talk about um every day but uh yeah lj should we should we hop right into it yeah let's start with the uh certainly an intriguing story that i wasn't expecting to here and I wasn't expecting to have it come out from this team but the San Diego Padres they have now gone 12 straight games to start the season without an error this is the first time in Major League history that a team has gone 12 games without an error to start the season to start the season yes it is yeah um really impressive when when you think about it um you know errors is is certainly um an interesting stat because it is up to the discretion of the official score most of the time and this is the Padres team that um I want to say that they were pretty good in the field last year obviously Fernando Tatis um, let me check because yeah they did have Fernando Tatis who <laughs> did have a lot of errors but you know a lot of times errors are not the greatest indicator for like your how, how efficient you are on defense when you look at um, some of the advanced metrics like a defensive run saved, outs above average, stuff like that. But no, um, it's it's really impressive at the end of the day. Um, if you were to base it on fielding percentage last year, the Padres ranked 10th in the league. So not horrible. Um, and then if you were going by uh, defensive runs saved, um, in 2021, the Padres 
ranked, where are they here? They ranked right at the middle of the pack, 16th. So certainly not a team that was um, excellent in the field, but they also did not um, have a bad season. They had 16 defensive runs saved last year. That means that, you know, they saved 16 more runs than what the average team would do um, for a season. So really good there. But, um, you know, LJ, they do have guys on their team who are very good in the field historically. Guys like Manny Machado, um, Ha Young Kim, both uh, in South Korea and last season put up really, really good uh, defensive stats. And it it really goes a long way. We don't talk about fielding stats a lot, but so well, much... I feel like we talk about fielding stats a lot. I talk about fielding stats a lot. LJ talks we, we about fielding stats. They're just... We give I should say... I should say the general media does not touch on it um, very often. And, right, and you look at a team last year like the Phillies, who were far and away the worst a defensive team in the league. You figure if they were just average last year, uh, they might have won the NL East. Uh, not to say that it affects that many games, but at the end of the day, um, a lot of your it, it pitching— a lot of situations. It does, and a lot of your pitching is reliant on your fielding. Um, that's why we have stats like fielder independent pitching, which tries to take that out of context. But, um, you know, there's a lot of pitchers who pitch to contact still, even though it is such a three true outcomes league, the strikeouts, home runs, and walks. We still have guys like Kyle Hendricks. Uh, I think he's like the biggest example where he's not a, a – out there on the mound going for strikeouts um he's trying to get you to hit a weak ground ball and a lot of relief pitchers a guy like wandy peralta on the yankees does the same thing where he comes in the game okay you know that he's going to be trying to pitch to contact um and sure he will have strikeouts here and there but more or less um he's he's going for those um weak ground balls and Especially Ryan Yarbrough is my favorite of those. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Rays, I think, do a fantastic job, especially because they're always up there in, in the, the defensive um, stats, uh, especially as a team I'm looking at last year. In the Fangraphs overall a defensive rating, they were seventh, the Rays were, in the league. And you look at a bunch of these teams. There's a bunch of playoff teams in here last year that were in the top ten for um, – Fielding. You got teams like the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Astros, the Rays. The Blue Jays were ninth, and I know they didn't make the playoffs, but they still won more games than the eventual World Series champions. And um, just a really overlooked part of the game that you know the general public does not talk a lot about. Um, and something that, when it's good, you don't complain about it and you don't talk about it. But when you have a bad defense... Um, a lot of fans uh, will be quick to jump on that about guys making errors in the field. Yeah, and it's it's such an interesting situation, I think, because right, you don't need to have a great defense necessarily to succeed. It helps immensely, but you can be a solid team without it. We've seen it time and time again. The Red Sox have gotten how long without being superb, really, since 2018. That 2018 defense was really solid across the board, and then after that, it's really kind of shot off but they've been solid in the past several seasons but 
I love the fact that, like, again, teams like Tampa, you get these ground ball pitchers or you get weak contact pitchers because I think the, the fly ball guys are just as useful as the ground ball guys are just using a different set of defenders. In my eyes, it's almost a skill to have that good defense where you can bring in those ground ball and fly ball guys because the majority of teams aren't getting those looks all the time. You're not going to see Ryan Yarbrough. You're not going to see Kyle Hendricks every single day or even every fifth day most of the time when you're the Red Sox, when you're the Cubs, when you're especially when you're on on a team that has those guys in it, you're not going to see them nearly as often. And so when you do see a guy who's trying something completely different, his philosophy is so totally against what the rest of the pitchers that you go up against their philosophy is that makes for such an interesting dynamic and it makes it more difficult to hit because you don't really have the same idea of where the ball is going or where to put the ball. Yeah. And it certainly shows as the Padres are first in defensive runs saved already at nine. Uh, The team that's in last place is the Atlanta Braves at negative nine. Um, And then in terms of outs above average, the Padres are second with seven. The Astros have six. Um, So, you know, it does show Uh that while errors don't mean a lot um, in the grand scheme of things for these advanced stats, still the teams that make the least amount of errors do end up being somewhere towards the top for these advanced stats. Oh, of course. And it's because really, again, the errors – errors are put on the board in the situations that are like the most dire mistakes, not just the stuff you can't get to. And so they should count more. They should be able to kind of judge where a team is on the advanced stats as well. To double down on this though, I think your buddy Ha Seung Kim is probably the biggest part of why the Padres have been so successful defensively. Having him in there at shortstop at the most important defensive position on the field instead of Fernando Tatis, who we've seen struggle and have gaps in his uh, his defensive abilities time and time again over this last year, that makes a huge difference. I think just, again, having that type of talent in that spot means a ton. Absolutely. Well, LJ, now, where we... Where would you... I, I Go ahead. I pose this real quick. Tatis comes back. Do you, do you think about moving him back out to right field? Because you haven't gotten much production out of Myers or Profar for that matter. So the corner outfield spots could definitely be switched around quite a bit right now. Yeah, you know, we'll have to see what Bob Melvin does um, there. There's certainly a lot of different uh, possibilities, especially when you have a guy like Jake Cronenworth who can really play anywhere, you know, um, and that's good. To have guys like that, I'm sure um, that they they have people that are seeing just how good Ha Young Kim is in the field, and you know his his hitting is certainly not the best, at least in 2021. But when you bring that much a defensive value to your team, you find ways to get in the lineup every day. Um, so it's certainly an interesting question to pose because it's like. I think we could see a little more creativity because um, Tatis wasn't bad in the outfield. Um, for for having never played it, no, he was really solid. And this is a shortstop third base, well, really, infielder as a prospect. I always I hate saying a shortstop prospect because that means absolutely nothing to me because every single decent athlete and every decent defender plays shortstop in the minors. 
And every Who second baseman is a failed shortstop. Uh. Yep. And most third basemen are also failed, failed shortstops. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, it's certainly interesting. We'll have to see what they do when he comes back. But still, we have a few months um, until, or at least a month and a half, I would say, until we even start talking about him coming back. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what the Padres end up doing. But, uh, LJ, dude, we want to stay in the NL West and touch a little on the Dodgers. Yeah, this is certainly a series to keep an eye on this week. you got this Dodgers-Braves series. This isn't Freddie Freeman's return to Atlanta, which I hope is a celebrated occasion. But this is his first ever game or first ever series against the Atlanta Braves. And that's just it's going to be an intriguing process to watch as he goes and has to look at the guys that he just won a World Series with on the opposite side with the favorites. Brandon, he starts that off with a pretty, pretty composed, I would say. The composure's there as he hits his first home run as a Dodger against the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, uh, kind of a bittersweet moment for him, certainly. Um, and, you know, it must be a little awkward, especially after there's those alleged Ronald Acuna comments. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw that like a few weeks ago. Yeah, we, we never really touched on it, but that was a very interesting thing to come out on opening day. Um, is it bad for me to say I don't care? I mean, like, plenty of you guys have not liked each other in the past. Yeah, you know, it's, if, if you really sit there and think that every single player on every single team likes each other, uh, you're just fooling yourself. Um, you know, we've seen how many times, you know, players get into it in the dugout. Um, sure, you have to, like, not hate your teammates but you certainly don't have to like every single one of them because a lot of people forget they they are people they all have their own unique uh personalities and how they behave and when you're spending so much time with these people um it's natural to not like all of them um so i wouldn't put too much weight into it but no um you know, Freddie Freeman, first home run as a Dodger. He's certainly been hitting the ball really good. His OPS this year is 879. Um, so you knew that the home runs would come at some point. But, I mean, it's fair to say that Freddie Freeman has um, picked up right where he left off uh, in 2021. Yeah, again, OPS 879, 325 batting average. That's, that's the staple of Freddie Freeman is he's going to be that 300 hitter whether the power's there or not, there certainly have been seasons where he hasn't looked the sharpest on the power side. If he's able to hit 300 with even a little bit of power, he's still a very valuable piece for the middle of this lineup. Like there's no, there's no scenario in my eyes where Freddie Freeman ends up in like the seven hole. No, um, especially with the amount of walks he draws. He's a lefty. You stick him right up there at the top with bets and uh, Trey Turner uh, he fits in perfectly in any lineup, and even in a lineup as stacked as this LA uh, Dodgers lineup, I find it hard to to justify hitting him really anywhere other than like two through four. All right, um, and the other, of course, piece to talk about, not 
as great a start out of Clinton Kershaw today. Certainly far from perfect. Five innings, six hits, four earned with seven strikeouts. Home run bug got to him a little bit. But again, this is still a fine start for the season for Clayton Kershaw. This is it, it went from, all right, is this about to be the start of a Cy Young campaign to being, all right, this is what we should expect from Clayton Kershaw, I feel like. Yeah, um, you know, that first start against the Twins was the best start any pitchers had this season. Um, and obviously, you're not going to be be perfect through seven innings every start. But Clayton Kershaw is not what he used to be, certainly, but he is still a tremendous player, will bring a lot of value to the Dodgers, especially, um, you know, sliding into a rotation that is just already really good with the likes of Bueller and Urias. And LJ, Andrew Heaney, um, I don't know if you saw, but I believe now after Tyler McGill just allowed a run to the Giants, the only player qualified um in the mlb with a zero era uh he's got 10 innings pitched 16 k's um you know as a yankees fan when i see the dodgers give him eight million dollars after the andrew heaney we saw last year for the yankees i was like what are they doing but part of me was like andrew heaney is somehow just gonna be really good the dodgers always figure it out they always have they're they're always a step ahead it seems um and already looking really good and a guy that you know you certainly when you you can name 15 guys on the Dodgers before you get to him on who you'd rather have on your team but the stat cast numbers are there uh this is a huge turnaround um for this guy and could really turn out to be a nice addition especially on a one-year deal yeah look it's all about fit I feel like because you know, let's let's think it through. There's a lot of teams that, yes, they're very good pitching coaches. They've got great philosophies. And every team has a different philosophy at this point. No one is exactly the same with the way they use the analytics, interpret it, the way they want to mix players' pitches, or even what they look for in the offseason. And every, sing, every single opportunity works for somebody. I mean, for Pete's sake, the Orioles are probably the worst pitching staff and pitching philosophy in baseball right now. And yet – they still were able to work, make it work with John Means. He was a system fit. He'll probably be the only system fit in the next 20 years, but he is the system fit. And then on the opposite side, you've got teams like the Houston Astros, who it seems like everyone ends up popping off there. But then you think about Jake Odorizzi. I mean, this was a solid pitcher in Minnesota, and he's probably had the worst stretch of his career as a Houston Astro. So it's all about scheme fit. Like you'd think in football, it's just like that, how you want to use the pitches where these guys want you placing your stuff, how you, even the mechanics side of things is a lot has to do with that. Yeah. It was um, 421 ERA. And then of course, starting out this year, eight innings with six earned for Odorizzi. He just hasn't looked like that same guy. Yeah, and you know, it's it, it's interesting too because it seems like a lot more more pitchers when they switch teams, they either get really good, really bad, um or you know, you don't see a lot of pitchers yeah, you don't see a lot of pitchers kind of continue that consistent play when they switch teams and you're right. It all is has to do with scheme fit. 
it's probably a lot harder for a pitcher to switch teams than a hitter. Sure, hitters, every team has their own hitting philosophy, um, and they all tell them how to approach it, but a pitching is, like everyone says, it's an art, and everyone approaches it a completely a different way. You look at a team like the Indians, who has, I mean, LJ, how many different pitchers could you name on, on a Cleveland in the last, like, five to ten years that just came out of nowhere and just been excellent. Um, Houston, Cleveland, those are the two clubs that really, um, and, and a Tampa too. Tampa. Just, yeah. Those, those three seem to be the leaders in pitching development. All right. Why don't we swing on over to Chicago? That shit, that town. How about the Cubbies? LJ, Seiya Suzuki was named Player of the Week, as it is uh, now Tuesday. They announced it yesterday. Uh, He gets Player of the Week for the National League. Jose Ramirez, Player of the Week for the American League. Seiya goes... Surprise to no one. Yes, no surprise there. Seiya Suzuki goes 7 for 17, 3 home runs, 2 doubles, and 5 RBIs. Um, Just... A momentous week is how they put it on MLB.com. Are are we surprised? I mean, this guy was maybe the best player in the NPB, the Japanese League, before coming to America. Um, And he's just... He's just special. Um, And I know we've talked about him a little bit a few episodes ago, and we don't try to be redundant, but... He's had a hit in every game he's had in that bat. Um, there was one game where he pinch hit and he walked, so that killed his hitting streak. But every game where he's had an official at bat and not a plate appearance, um, he's gotten a hit, which just I don't think people realize how hard that is to do. Jose Ramirez is the only player who's had a hit in every single game he's played this year. And what do you know? They both make it onto player of the week. Jose Ramirez was our player of the week last week, as we do that every Thursday. But just, I mean, this 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 guy's incredible. Um, And I'll say it again. I just feel so dumb for not for not picking him for the rookie of the year. Uh, it, it's just such an oversight by me. Uh, I mean, the guy's 27. He's in his physical prime. And we also, I remember I made the statement how he's on the five-year, $85 million contract. That's, it's a bargain. The, these contracts that these foreign players sign, like Otani's contract, Seiya Suzuki's contract, uh, even Haseon Kim's contract, it's just a bargain for all these guys because you don't know how good they're going to end up being. But when they do pop off, like this, um, it just adds so much more value value to your team. You can be way more flexible with your spending in the, in the next few years. And for the foreign players, LJ, he would have never sniffed 85 mil in the NPB uh, over five no. years. And either way, whether you're sniffing it somewhere else or not, it's the fact that you get five years worth of like commitment like they're paying you for at least five years even if you have a slow start which the majority of these guys do which i'll I'll get back into that point in a second so many of these guys have a slow start at the plate it would be very easy to move on from these guys if they were signing one two-year deals but 
they kind of have to stick with you. You're guaranteed this payment through five years. The question becomes, why are you doing five-year deals? Like if you're the team, you're already committing so much time to him. Why would you force yourself into a situation where you're going to have to pay an arbitration year? Why not give him six years, a hundred? No, like I'm serious. This is a valid question because theoretically with projecting out based on what we've seen, you're probably talking about at least maybe a gold glove, some all-star appearances in the next couple of years based on just, again, we're talking about 12 games here, but if he keeps up something close to what he's doing right now, we're talking about all-star appearances and gold gloves. He is going to get a significant chunk of money in his in his only arbitration here. Why would you not just buy that out already? And who knows? They they might end up buying that out in the future. Um, Otani, after this season, his contract is like technically up and he'll hit arbitration. You'd have to imagine that the Angels are going to buy out that last year of arbitration um, before he would be a free agent in 2024. Uh, I mean, he's on $5.5 million this year. Uh, yeah, but let's just talk about how ridiculous it is. Like, this is pretty elite company because as far as hitters go, Brandon, can you name me another player outside of these three that has had a truly successful start to their career at the plate? Ichiro, Shohei, and Sega. I'm struggling to think of another particularly Japanese-born player that has gotten off to this good a start as a rookie. Again, the majority of them, even the other ones that are very talented that end up having good MLB careers, it takes you a year or so because this is a very different – it's very different pitching that you're seeing in the majors than you are anywhere else in the world, even in AAA. So – it's a big, a big adjustment to come over even for a guy in his physical prime to be able to do this and to do it with such poise. Again, the plate discipline is a hundred percent there. There's a reason he still has an on base streak going like all the mental stuff that usually takes time to adjust to is all there for him. That's what makes it so exciting. Oh, absolutely. And no, LJ, I can't think of a hitter. The only like real other example when, uh, What's his name? Masahiro Tanaka comes over in 2014. He makes the All-Star game in his rookie year. Uh, I'm looking at right now 136 innings, put up a 2.77 ERA. He was hurt for a little bit in that season. But you're right, you don't see the hitters really break out. Um, And it just shows how special these guys are that do get the opportunity to come over here. I mean, these are players that... They're so good in Japan that it's like, okay, we we really want you, or those players, they realize and their agents realize, wow, like we could really do something special in the MLB, and that's exactly what Otani has done. Uh, it's exactly what Ichiro did. It might be what um, you know a guy like Seiya Suzuki could do, and I'm still not ruling out Ha Young Kim either. Uh, you know, like Elter said, there's a big learning curve he's already started to hit a little better this year and Haseon Kim was a 2.1 war player in 117 games last year and he hit 202 he had a 72 OPS plus the value is there with these guys and I think that you know I'm not very well in tune with the NPB and the KBO but um some of the best players there are probably going to see this and be like, wow, like we can actually 
if you're good enough, can make an immediate impact, whether it's on the, the defensive side of the ball, the offensive side of the ball, and hopefully we get to see more of these guys get posted and come over in the future. All right, Brandon, what are we looking at for time? Do we have time for some injuries? Yeah, we can touch on some injuries real quick. Um, the one big one, the Oakland A's had to put six players on the COVID IL. Uh, catcher Austin Allen, infielders Jed Lowry and Chad Pender, and pitchers A.J. Puck, Lou Trevino, and Kirby Sneed all on the COVID injured list. Um this is the first COVID outbreak we've had this season, right? Um, yeah. Again, it's like, it's hard to necessarily say it's an outbreak because, you know, you're talking about especially this is a California team, so the chances of the vast majority of them being vaccinated are much higher. Overall, it's more likely that it's an area-wide outbreak than just a team outbreak where you're going to see a ton of it. And the nice thing about now, you're talking – with both natural immunity stuff, vaccination, booster, all of this, the majority of these guys are going to be back within like, at least it's going to be less than the 10 day time frame, is really what I'm trying to get at here for the majority of these guys. Because are there any that are symptomatic that you can see in there? Because I know there have been a handful of guys that have been put on throughout the league, um, like Kevin Ploiecki, uh, Brandon Nimmo, all of those guys were all asymptomatic. Yeah, so. so- speeds up the timeline a lot it doesn't say whether or not they're asymptomatic but three of those guys are not vaccinated um and they are traveling to toronto so those guys may not even have covid or have symptoms but they're just not allowed to they're just not allowed to play um austin allen kirby sneed and aj puck there did you get put on the restricted list um when you head to toronto and that's just for players that are not vaccinated um that's the procedure. So the other three, it's unclear whether or not they did test positive, um, whether or not they are asymptomatic, or whether it's contact tracing procedures. Um, but they also joined Stephen Piscotti, who on Friday um, hit the COVID IL. So like you said, it's the 10 days. Um, and then it's possible to be reinstated in less time if you've gone 24 yeah. or more hours without a fever and you got two negative COVID tests in a row, and you got approval from a team physician and the MLBPA joint committee. Um, If you're experiencing symptoms but don't test positive, you can also return in a shorter time um, if your symptom or once your symptoms go away. Um, Exactly my point. And it's like, you know, you see, you look around the rest of the U.S., and that's the majority of the type of cases that you're seeing. So – it's not nearly going to be the same effect as we were talking a couple, um, like even a year ago, like when it was, I believe it was Washington this time last year that had the huge outbreak. At this point, things have cooled down, settled in. I get whatever word you want to say to that point where yes, there are outbreaks and it's unfortunate and we're going to have to, like these teams are going to have to deal with it, but it's not nearly the same ramifications as it used to carry. Absolutely. And like you said, you know, this is like the first season where we were able to uh, since 2019, where we were able to start the season with no restrictions at any stadiums regarding fans being allowed in. Of course, in 2021, um, a bunch of teams had to, you know, do 20 percent capacity um, or whatever. But 
Things are starting to clear up, certainly. Um, of course, this is still an ongoing issue around the world, but nice to see um, that things are getting a little better, um, at least in the MLB, and that um, guys can return in shorter than 10 days. Um, we certainly love to see that. One last thing with the injuries. Uh, Ronald Acuna did his re- uh, is going to debut in his first rehab assignment for Triple A Gwinnett tonight. For the Braves, very nice. Hope to have him back very soon. Um, and then they said Jacob DeGrom's going to go under another MRI. And then within a few weeks, if that or if that MRI is good, within a few weeks, he could return to throwing again. So he seems to be a bit ahead of schedule, which is certainly weird for, for, a, for a pitcher to be uh, ahead of schedule. But it's Jacob DeGrom. I wouldn't expect um, less from, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised. We'll see. Okay. Um, anything else? Any other injuries um, that we've seen? No injuries. I did want to make one more comment. Um, congratulations on a great career to Jake Arrieta. Yes, uh, that's right. He did. Re- he did announce his retirement. Uh, LJ for a few years there was. You could have said he was the best pitcher in the league. Um, the year he won that Cy Young, the the year he won the Cy Young, he that was his like second half in that season was was freaking insane. Um, I think I could pull it up here. There was a point, yeah, from like June twenty first on, he had he <laughs> Jesus, he was sixteen and one with a point eight six ERA in twenty games. <laughs> his last twenty starts. That is just. It's not fair. It's just not fair. Um, yeah, great career for him. Certainly will be will go down with a very solid career. Starts in Baltimore and then goes to Chicago where he really breaks also out. Note that he left Baltimore to break out. Five forty six ERA in Baltimore ends up with a career three fourteen ERA in Chicago. Just saying. Sorry. It all no. Uh, it's, it's actually perfect. It all. It all. Ends up making sense, and then he does end up getting the bag with with the Phillies. Sure, he doesn't give them the best performance, but you know he got paid, um, and that's the ultimate goal for these players is to is to get a contract, um, like or is to get a big contract. And was it wrong for the Phillies to sign him and give him that amount of uh in, or, and and give him that large of a contract at the time? Maybe, but also no. like. Probably not. Um, it's just for a guy who was works. pitching that good. Yeah, it's just how it works. And if you want to argue with the system, you certainly can. Like, I still think it's dumb that it's six years. But, look, you're going to end up with contracts like this that just don't end up working out. It works out for the player, certainly. And that's a lot of money that he should get and should have gotten. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it ended up working out that way. Yeah, so it's um, yeah, it's just you know that can happen at any point in a guy's career too. You could have had him leave Baltimore for Chicago, and let's say they give him, let's say let's say that was after six years, they give him um, three years of decent money at age twenty-seven, and then he bums out. Like that can happen in your prime, and then you end up getting better on the next on the next deal. That can happen late in your career, early in your career. Every single guy is going to have a low point. And 
you hope you don't sign the guy during his low point, but that's just sometimes how the cookie crumbles. Absolutely. Well, believe that's going to do it for today's show. Um, we'll be back tomorrow, of course. Um, sure, something will happen tonight. There's two two teams are pl- or yeah, two s- different matchups have double headers today. Seventeen games in play. Certainly a lot to talk about on tomorrow's show. We'll be back, though. Thank you guys for listening. Follow us Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at MLB Daily Pod. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.